Hey everybody, I want to take a second to tell you about Snagit 2022. I don't have time to go into all the details about Snagit 2022, but it has a variety of options for fast and easy to use video creation. It's got new ways to work across devices and platforms with the new cloud library. And your purchase or upgrade includes your first year of maintenance and the newly updated Snagit certification course. With 20 plus videos of Snagit how-tos, certification is a great way to help you speed up your workflows, unlock potential, and get your work done faster. So check out Snagit 2022 today at snagit.com. And now, back to the podcast. Sometimes composition is more art than science. Play with what's going on in your frame and test and see what works for you. Don't overcomplicate composition. Don't try to make it so complicated. Just really keep it basic and you're gonna be successful. The rules that have been established are really pretty simple. I think uh, breaking the rules is fine in composition as long as you know the rules that you're breaking. So I think first be aware of the basics, know the rule of thirds, know about uh, you know um, headroom in a video, uh, and then if you have a reason to break out of those things, great. You understand them, you're able to work around them. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Visual Lounge. We're so happy that you're here listening with us or watching on whatever device or wherever you're watching. We're glad that you could be with us. Today with Justin and Andy, we are gonna be talking about something really important to videos that probably you don't even think about that much. It's video composition. So we're gonna talk about all the things composition, what that is and why it's so important to making good looking videos. So Justin, Andy, welcome. Thank you for being here with me today. Now we are gonna, let's, let's maybe de, uh, default preface here is that we're gonna talk about composition even if our composition isn't always perfect, right? Like do as we say, not as we do maybe, or no, we're working sometimes, on it Sometimes ourselves. we tell people, sometimes we tell people they should really go to YouTube and watch this episode. I feel like this is a good podcast episode to listen to and not look at what we're doing. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. <laughs> A absolutely. I think, but we try, right? And I think the principles yeah. go beyond just when you're doing a talk show type show. Uh, so let's start off because I think composition, it's a fancy word. It's a, a big word that, you know, has probably lots of different meanings or lots of ways you could interpret, interpret composition. So where do we, how do we want to define what we're talking about when it comes to video composition? Yeah, I mean, Justin, I think you're the expert here today. Don't you think we should start with you? I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> just picking, just picking. I think composition is, the, the simplest way of talking about it is composing your shot. Now, on our podcast, obviously, we have one static shot for each person, so there's not much to compose after it's set up. Um, so a lot of times we're talking about when you have, you know, more than one shot, but even, even just this one talking head frame, you know, what is, uh, what's the way that you've composed your shot? So, Throwing myself under the bus to start with. Um, you know, I've got a lot of background distractions here. That was my choice. I decided to put these up there and live with them. Um, and I think that's the first thing I would say. Whatever your composition, good or bad, it's within your control, right? Like if we're in our house, if we're in our office, everything that is being shown on camera is up to us. So if I didn't like these things, and I, I do like these things, they just don't look great right on camera, they're messy and distracting, then I have the ability to move them. So uh, just remember everything you do for composition is gonna be on you as the individual. 
Well, I wanted to say something, Andy. I think one, first you're right, you can control uh, most things, right? Sometimes you're in situations right. that it is harder to control what your paint color is or something like, you know, we know there's limitations. But I would argue, Andy, that even in your case, like those things can have purpose, right? Like, yes, maybe mm -hmm. not everyone will understand them, but there are clearly elements you can in include that will right. provide value. And in fact, I, using mine, because I've got similar thing, I've got lots of things kind of going on back here. Behind me, I've got, you know, there's a bobblehead, there's a trophy, there's a microphone. I got diplomas that I just feel, the only reason I post them is because I paid so much for them. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of money, yeah. It, it's, that's somebody. All, it's got, got to like, get some value out of it. <laughs> uh, but I think like having those things, even that at least, it, uh, we'd call it set dressing. It, it gives some flavor because it's way more interesting than if I just saw the beige wall behind you. Like if I saw just a blank yeah. wall, that composition would be uh, pretty drab to look at. And it's you know, real bad. Yeah. So, so let me ask this. Yeah, thing. What's the, what is the, what is the goal with composition? What are, what are we trying to achieve? So I think, I think for me, the idea there would be you want your shot to look aesthetically pleasing and that can mean a bunch of different stuff to people, but, really um and i'm trying to compose my thoughts <laughs> um movies and television have been around for so long now that the rules that they set up in the first place of how to compose a shot whether we're talking about you know depth of field or um rule of thirds and we'll get to all these things or headroom or whatever it is have been established since television and movies began long ago and they're just kind of burned into our culture and our minds as that makes a shot look good doesn't mean these rules can't be broken, doesn't mean we can't play with the aesthetic and change it up, but there's certain things that we accept and other things that we don't accept. I'm just going to dive right in and mention one of them, headroom. Headroom is the distance between the top of your head and the top of the uh, video frame, right? Matt is doing it right now where he's cutting the top of his head off, and it looks bad. When we cut the top of our heads off on a frame, it's very strangely uncomfortable to us. It almost feels claustrophobic because when I look at you with my eyes in person, do uh, you guys remember in person? Anyway, when I look at a person live and in person, I can see their whole self. But in this video frame, you're limiting what the viewer's perspective is. And so to cut off a person at the forehead, which is an unnatural place to do it, just looks weird and, and confined. Um, so the opposite's true too, though. Uh, if you can go, you know, too far down in your shot, you know, and you lose, you have too much headroom in your shot. Now suddenly there's all this space up here. This looks really good. I hope you guys are watching on YouTube. <laughs> this is uh, way too much space above my head now. And so there is a, a middle ground. Um, I'm, I can keep talking at length, but I'll also hog this conversation if I do. So Andy, I think, so going back to the original question about composition, I think it's about using your space well to convey, help yeah. convey feeling, emotion, the point and giving focus to to whatever it is that you're shooting. And, and we talk a lot about people on camera, right? Like, cause that's where mm -hmm. headroom comes from, right? But like also thinking about from like a screencasting perspective, like arranging that so the things that you want seen are gonna be easily the things that are focused on. And with screencasting, nice. I, it's there's probably, I don't know that we have necessarily the vocabulary of headroom, but it's like thinking about those things so that it's positioned in, in a place that you're ex going to be expecting your audience to look. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's really mm -hmm. about drawing attention, giving focus, giving ambiance and feeling to whatever you're doing. For instance, I, I you know, headroom is really important. I think about, uh, you know, just what, what am I going to do with this space that I have here? Right. And 
if I'm creating a presentation, for instance, a PowerPoint presentation, if I'm centered in the middle of my camera, I'm trying to get centered here, that's, that's great if I'm just talking. But if I'm gonna put something else on the screen, I might right. need to move over. So mm -hmm. I'm like newscaster style, right? That's the composition mm -hmm. for that shot. And you wanna be thinking through those things so that, that way you're not being doing these, having to figure out like, oh no, I didn't leave enough room for my PowerPoint slide that I wanna show here. So I think it's just really thinking about kind of all these different things about your look and feel. And I think inherently, because as Andy said, these these guidelines, these heuristics have been established since the beginning of kind of film and television. They've been developed. We perceive the things that happen on your screen, whether, you know, whether it's, you know, our, we're watching a video from YouTube or wherever, differently if it feels like it's breaking a rule and it's like not doing it well. Like, oh, that was yeah. like, they did that, like, I'm, you know, I'm, if I'm like up here, all of a sudden it's becoming very <laughs> uncomfortable for most everybody. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm super yeah. close to the camera. My audio, my microphone was probably far back. Yeah. But, yes. but, but, <laughs> but there are times if I do that, that has meaning, that has yep. purpose. And so we just want to compose, we want to think about that. Like, what, oh, I'm going to try moving, uh, moving microphone. Okay, guys, I want to tell you five secrets about composition. Like all of a sudden this is very different because I'm leaning into it or whispering. It's okay, it's cutting out of my head a little bit. Maybe I want to get a little bit lower. But now I feel like we're having a, a secret conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. And that gives so much more context. Now now it's a secret. Now it's something I'm being let in on. It's, it's a close, intimate conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and man, it's so much more than just a Zoom call or, or a webinar. You know, like now, like you get in the face and you start to see if I do that, I'm going to go to focus. But I think that's a great example, too, because that really does. Yeah. Uh, it shows and it tells um, meaning. So that's awesome. So let me ask I, you a I, question because we, we were talking about because, uh, you know, this is my role in this one. So uh, <laughs> and this could be wrong. This could be wrong. But I'm just you, you brought up the idea of like like a, a screen recorded video um, and, and potential like you know, composition around that. So I wonder where I kind of went was I, I made a, a tutorial this week and could show the step and something happening on the screen. But if I didn't zoom in, the, co the, the composition was very strange in that shot, mm -hmm. potentially, because there was a lot happening over on one side of the screen, but what I actually wanted you to focus on was over here. So I don't know if that's even even right or similar, but it, that's where my head went. I think that's absolutely right. When you're using zoom and pans to help dictate what you're showing on the screen, because all of a sudden you can start thinking about some of those other, th these other principles, uh, Andy, and I don't remember the name of it, but when you're too close to an edge and you're talking to it, um, like if you, so I refer to that, we were, we talk about that as talk space. There's probably got an, it probably has another name, but, um, yeah, talk space in particular is, uh, sorry, that's one of those things that I, I refer to as like, think about a Calvin and Hobbes comic or Garfield comic when you're when you're looking at an actual Sunday funny comic strip and the person's over on one edge of the panel and their talk space is over here where they have like an actual word bubble in front of them. Mm -hmm. That is a comfortable distance from me to the edge of the frame. Whereas if I turn around and face the wall of the frame, it now feels very claustrophobic again. And if you imagine me having a conversation with someone this direction, they're probably right here. Like it feels like they're right off frame next to me and I'm speaking too closely to them too. So there's a lot of like natural, unnatural tendencies with that talk space. 
I, and so with that that kind of in mind, I think, Justin, thinking about like, what is the talk space you're leaving? And sometimes you can't do it with screens because something's right on the edge, mm-hmm. right? It's up or it's an upper corner, but you're like, you can create that that space, those buffers to, to but to allow people where to focus and, and you're also getting rid of the extraneous stuff, right? If there's a lot happening on the left side of your screen and all of a sudden you're focused on the right side of the screen, like using those things, your composition to help frame what is being shown is super valuable because of course mm-hmm. you can draw an arrow to it. Of course you can use a, a like an animated mm-hmm. box, but that doesn't just stop me from looking at those other things that are going on. And maybe some, especially if there's motion happening over there, heaven forbid there's something that just moves, you know, it's a GIF or something mm-hmm. that's playing. You want to fr- actually cut those out of the frame. Your composition should say like, get rid of that and zoom in on this mm-hmm. thing. But the other thing with that is just the movement. I think, you know, you got to be aware of what's happening. If you're going from, now I'm on, oh, I'm down here in this corner. Now I got to go all the way to the menu up here. Like your composition can really help affect that flow of kind of where do my eyes go? What am I looking at? And does it feel right? Uh, you know, I, I wish we had a science. Maybe, there's probably some science behind it. I don't know it. Maybe Andy knows. Yeah. I, I don't know. But I, you want that inherent, like this feels natural. It's not throwing mm-hmm. me off. Um, and as I, I'm trying to watch something or look at something, it's just, it feels like you're pulling me to the right places and I'm not struggling. In fact, I watched a video today. I had some of that. I'm like, there's so much going on. Where do I look? Like, I want to read yeah, all this absolutely. stuff over here. I think if even, uh, you know, it's funny cause to go super meta for everybody, uh, listening or watching to this, if you go back and watch our very first, like one or two episodes of the show, you can on YouTube or you can on our website, um, our composition for this show was not very good. It was just kind right. of the three of us crammed side by side all together. And even when we were kind of having the discussion, it was like, how do we focus on, how do we, how, who, how does it sort of delineate who's the most important speaker? So now if you watch the show, we have like sort of a mainframe box that, you know, I'm talking in and then Andy and Matt are kind of on the side and it flips around. But we did that for better composition and better viewer. So they're, you know, sort of a better viewing experience. So people wouldn't um, kind of struggle to figure out who, who was talking and who was the most important talking head at that point. It's always Justin. So yep. we should just probably leave Usually. it always like this, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. In case yeah. you're wondering. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we talk about, you know, whether you're, whether you're talking about talk space where you're up against the frame or if we're talking about screen recording where like things are just uncomfortable in the wrong position. The other, the other rule that I mentioned earlier on that we didn't talk about at all was the rule of thirds, which is slight, probably one of the more commonly known rules uh, in film and video. But if you don't know what it is, just imagine a tic-tac-toe grid filling the screen, right? So we've got two vertical lines. Let's see if I can do this on screen, two vertical lines going up and down on your screen and then two horizontal lines going, I'm going to start at the same side, going across your screen. And the points where those vertical and horizontal lines intersect, there's four of them, right? Two vertical, two horizontal. Those four points on your screen are your ideal placement for your subjects. Ah, I can't do this backwards. This is really hard. Um, and so your eyes should basically be, if, if it's a person on screen, your eyes should be in those places where the lines meet. Your subject shouldn't necessarily be, and again, these are rules but rules can be broken. Um, these are just common practices. The the middle square, for example, of the tic-tac-toe board would be me dead center in the frame. And it just doesn't look right, like having me dead center. Now, if I'm centered in the frame, like actually, Matt, if you want to put Justin up on the main frame for a second, Justin's centered in his frame, 
but his eyes are not centered. His eye are like in the you know uh, mm. bottom half of the screen. They're they're in the top third, and so he's going across that mm. top third. I know if you get you're a little taller, almost there we go. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. They're not at the intersecting lines, but they're also not dead set mm-hmm. in the middle yeah, horizontally right. and vertically. Right, and and it's it's not yeah, just the like face because a lot of people think it's the face is you know the problem. It's the eyes. The eyes are where we're looking. So um, mm. yeah, I think that's. That's a really helpful thing to remember um, is just kind of those those uh, vertical and horizontal lines of the rule of thirds. Well, I was going to say uh, one of the things I think is interesting, someone someone once said uh, that, you know, you have two eyes. And when you think about video, that's, you know, that's why the thirds actually work really well is because you have mm-hmm. two eyes. Right. You're not one eye looking just center. You're looking kind of at the third point. And, and I, you know, I know we, it's called the rule of thirds, but there's, there's other methods you can use. There's the golden spiral yeah. that people use for film. Yeah. You know, if we, if we look at film as kind of our example here, um, gosh, I can't think I'm blanking on the name. Uh, he creates a lot of, uh, film that is centered. Everything's symmetrical. Oh, Cameron. Um, no, nope. Oh, yeah, I know who you're thinking. We don't have, I can't it doesn't matter, but it, so it's really interesting when you go look at his work because he's clearly not using the role, the rule of thirds, right? And it, it, it's obviously a filmmaker. He's a filmmaker and it's artistic and whatever. But I think even in our setting, me not sitting on the rule, if I'm like truly kind of in the rule of thirds, like over here, that feel, might feel weird because of the way we have our layout. Like, so you've got to take in not only your screen composition, but what else is there with you? Um, and I think that rule of thirds is still very helpful to understand the rule of thirds. Like your eyes should be at the top third. It could be at the bottom third if you're like need the head space for something else. But I think it's just, again, it, you will look at it and you'll feel, and I think, and I, I'm sorry, this is an intuitive thing. I think learned into intuition. I think you start to right. feel like, oh yeah, that feels right. That feels good. Or like, you know, like you're not quite centered, but you're not quite in the third. What is that? You know, like yeah. you just kind of look for those kind of things. And then, and again, then just decide with purpose, like, oh, well, I want to be centered here with my eyes at the, the top third, because, you know, we've got, I've got extra space. We've got the, the horizontal layout. Like it might be different if we did, um, you know, like for filming like this. Maybe I've got different a different setting. Maybe I do want to be centered because otherwise half my face is gonna be off the screen if I'm hold you know recording a vertical video with my phone or something right. like that. Right. Yeah, and I think even with vertical video, the rule can still apply. But now even even we're just talking about one set of those thirds, right? Um, and I've done the opposite too. If you're doing like portraiture or landscape, uh, you know, back in my days as wedding videographer, uh, Andy Owen, again, I'd like to bring that up once an episode. Um, if we're doing like a real wide shot of a scene of, you know, a landscape and the couples, you know, in that scene, I may want to show more of the vista around them and have them in the bottom third. And, and so it's not necessarily that you even have to have someone like eyes top, you know, in the center, like play around with it, you know, move things around. It was Wes Anderson you were talking about earlier, by the way, Matt, that was driving me crazy. Um, but Wes Anderson not only centers things, he uses symmetry really strongly in his images. And so if you're going to center something and have symmetry, you get this really wild effect where it's almost, God, it's almost like a, a, a piece of art, right? Um, where something, everything just looks so intentional. Um, and that's a, that's definitely a skill that, that he has. And, you know, he based that on Stanley Kubrick who did the same thing in, in older films. And so, um, yeah, again, any, any of these rules or ideas are, are set points or guide points. Um, 
but if you can break them in a beautiful way or in a great way that's still effective, do it. One thing that's bothered me about our my uh, recording of Camtasia's screen, for example, is that when I'm trying to teach someone how to use the timeline in Camtasia, that's the bottom of the screen. And so now mm. I've got two things in mind. Not only is it out of the lower thirds and in the bottom third, uh, if I have captions on that video, which I usually do, now the captions are covering up the subject, and so it's a whole other set of problems. Um, but you can fix that, right? You can you can have a white background and move your screen recording up into the place you want it to be. I mean, don't be locked in by uh, by the things on your screen that have felt like they've confined you. You know, work around it. Yeah, I think that's a really good. That's a really great tip, Andy. Don't just record full screen. Right, you record right. the application, whatever application it is, especially if you got stuff that's heavy on one area, top, bottom, whatever it is, but then record extra area around it so you can kind of fudge and move it around as needed so you can keep everything in view. Because the other thing that happens, and we'll speak from experience here with Camtasia, is you get these right-click pop-down men pop-up menus that mm -hmm. then go outside your recording area and you're like, well, mm. I got to start over because that didn't appear where I thought it was going to. Uh, one other yeah. thing I want to mention, most devices, whether you're using a phone, uh, you know, a DSLR camera, there are settings you can go into to turn on a rule of thirds grid that can mm -hmm. help you. So if this is there, like, it took me a while to figure out, like, uh, what is a rule of third? How do I use it? Where is it going to be? And just you just go into your default device into the settings and you can turn those on. Um, and it's super, like, just super instructive to say, like, Oh, that's my third. Uh, you know, so I was on vacation this last week and we were walking through these gardens, very beautiful gardens. And there's people, some people there and someone's like, would you take a picture for us? I'm like, my kids, they told me afterwards, they're like, uh-oh. Because <laughs> they're like, <laughs> they, they couldn't have picked a better person than dad, you know. So I grabbed their phone. I switched it. You know, it's an iPhone, so I was very familiar with it. I flipped into 16 by 9 mode. And I'm like, you know, like everyone does the same thing when they're taking a photo or video. They step back. Because mm -hmm. from a framing perspective, it seems to make sense, right? I want to fit everybody in. I stepped forward, and I knew I could fit everybody in. I was going to, you know, chose a, a strategic pot, spot to cut them off. So from a framing perspective, composition, I didn't want to cut them off weirdly uh, like the necks, obviously. You know, you want yes. kind of a, a, yes. a natural break point. Um, but I stepped in, and it's just like, but I, the, the, thirds weren't on, but I knew mm -hmm. where the thirds were because I've been doing it for, for years now. And I, yeah. I just, you know, I think it was, uh, it's one of those things. You're just going to use the guide. I keep it on, on my camera all the time. So that way I just can, I can know. And it's just, I think it's one of those things that's, it's super helpful for just giving this idea composition. Then you think, of course, hopefully it helps you remember the headroom, the talk space and all those mm -hmm. things. But again, you're, mm -hmm. remember you're trying to capture and show whatever it is that you want to show someone. And if it, you break the rule, you break the rule. I don't care. But yeah. those things can help you make it a little bit clearer, hopefully. Absolutely. And you said something that's interesting because I was going to talk on it earlier, but didn't know if it was getting too in the weeds. I may be still going too in the weeds. Um, but it was when you said that natural break point, uh, you don't want to cut them off the neck. There is actually, I don't know that there's a name for this rule, but it's just a rule in videography that don't cut people where they bend. And I feel like I've talked about this on this uh, podcast even. Um, but don't cut people at the neck. Don't cut them at the shoulders. Don't cut them at the elbow. Because these are all places that I bend. And for some reason, if you cut, and I'm just trying to see if I can do anything on camera right now. I don't think I can get that low. But if you cut someone at the shoulders, at the elbows, we're going to all try it right now. <laughs> there, there goes Matt. So, yeah. So, Matt is now cut at the neck. 
that definitely looks unnatural. Let's try it at the shoulders. It, it yeah, feels right unnatural. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a terrible position. Um, but it is. It's There's something very uncomfortable about seeing someone. It looks honestly like... I wish I had a more sensitive word, like a visual amputation almost. I mean, it really does look like you've cut them off. Um, and it just, we don't know why we don't like it. It's just another one of those things that that doesn't look right to us when you see it. I have, I have an example. If, if, if you go look at our thumbnails and this, by the time this episode comes out, it's uh, one of our upcoming episodes, as of recording, it's one of the upcoming ones. And it's, we're, we're covering our faces. And there's an interesting thing that mm. happened in that. And I really love the thumbnail except for my arm is in the thumbnail and I, the more I look at the thumbnail, it's like, whose arm is that? It doesn't, cause it's the way it's cut. It doesn't look yeah. like my arm. And I, right. I'm, and it's like, it's for me, it's a little disconcerting cause I know it's my arm, but I'm like, who was in this photo? And so I think, you know, maybe we can link to it in the, the show notes, but it's, it's like, because again, because of how it's cut, it's kind of cut at my elbow mm -hmm. and it's coming up and covering my face. It's just, it, and there might be some other things going on there, but it's, it's, I think what you're yeah. talking about, it was a good example in my mind that those things get weird. Yeah, it was, it was also, it didn't help that you had a dark shirt on and light skin. And so they separate perfectly, right? So like <laughs> yeah. uh, with your, with the way your arm was bent, it looks like someone's arm is coming up from off screen <laughs> to, uh, to cover your eyes. It's, you're right. Now that I'm seeing it, great. I'm going to have to go change that thumbnail. Thanks, man. No, no. <laughs> Actually, so, the funny thing is one thing that bothered me was the perspective of it was, it felt like to fit your arm in the camera, it was ahead of you. So now this is going to lead us to foreground and background. I don't know if we have time to talk about that, but foreground and background are obviously the distance to the camera, whether you're closer or farther away. Your arm, I felt like at that time, the elbow at least was closer to the camera than your face was. I could be wrong, uh, but it felt that way. And and so that gave it almost a larger perspective than your face, which was farther away. And so it kind of gave this weird perspective shift. Yeah, that, that um, forced yeah. perspective is really interesting. That's yeah. how they make hobbits look small compared to Gandalf in the movies and stuff like that. But yeah, it does have that effect. So interesting that you went to foreground and background because one of the things, and I think we're all fairly good. I have a little bit, but like you have to, in composition, be really careful about checking mm -hmm. your background for what mm -hmm. what looks like it's coming out of your head. Um, and you know, I've made that mistake before. You got a pole behind you or a branch or something it looks like. Yeah. Well, yes yeah. let's stick yeah. it up out there you know and that's, that's there's an uh there's an i forget i forget which episode it is early on in this series i can't remember maybe looking better on camera or something but Might i had on. a show behind me and andy said it looks like it's just like coming out of your ears like one of those arrows and i'll be honest i couldn't stop seeing that in every zoom <laughs> call i was in for like the rest of time I'm so sorry. And so and so now I'm over here on the other side of the room because that's why Andy you moved. said I had an error. That's that's a real I've, reason. That's a real reason. I threw in yeah. Justin. No. Oh no. <laughs> no, this that's is not like, why I'm this, this is what my wife says it's like to I have to watch movies with me too. So I apologize. Uh <laughs> just like we all like to pick out the things we see. No, it's true though. I, and and Matt, Matt made the good example of branches. I think trees, plants, branches, and lamps are really common um um sources of this mm -hmm. happening because we're just around the house and you know there's a lamp behind you and so it's very easy for suddenly which makes it great because it looks like there's a light beam coming out of your head too if you do it at the right moment. Um <laughs> but yeah, have to be careful about 
about what's behind you in the background. But we talk about background and foreground and we get questions a lot about our um, cameras and, hey, how come the things behind Matt are blurry? Because Matt's got a real sharp depth of field. Um, Background and foreground can be used really interestingly. I don't know how much we can really talk about this with regard to screen recording, because obviously that's a very flat two-dimensional space. But if you're talking about cameras and backgrounds and foregrounds, for a while I had a, um, a computer graphics processing unit sitting here. There's a few episodes <laughs> before this one where there's this just black box in the foreground of my shot, and it drove me nuts, but I had no other space to put it uh, in my workspace here. Um, foreground can be used well if it's like maybe... Uh, at, Again, I'm going to call back to weddings. Uh, we would have, you know, tall grasses or something kind of in the foreground, out of focus, showing where the person was in a field. And then behind them, you might see trees. Uh, and that gives kind of a almost a gosh, it's what's the opposite of claustrophobic, a comfortable feel like almost like that person is kind of wrapped in nature. Right. Uh, um it can also cla- cause claustrophobia, though, if you put very tight surroundings on that person. So if you're if you've got, you know, a, a shelf or something very large um, in front of them and then kind of other objects behind it, man, it feels like they're kind of scrunched into that space. So I don't know that I'm doing it justice talking about it like this, but uh, yeah, foreground and background. There you go. Well, I, I think you can also tell you can give yourself some uh, your viewers really some indications of where they're it's setting scene as well without having to be overwhelming. Yeah. Like I know when we were in mm-hmm. the studio and we were doing uh, different kind of shoots and stuff like that. You know, we have a table, a, a kind of a wheeled table we could stand behind. And we can have a computer there, even if we weren't going to use a computer. Just having the computer open gave context that you know we're talking about. Yeah computer stuff, right? Like, and I think you, using those subtleties to send a message is really important, really valuable. And, and, and like our show here, we don't have a lot of that. Uh, we don't have that kind of need for it. Um, but I think in certain settings in certain video productions that can be really, really helpful providing the context again, harder maybe to do in screencasts, but for that, I would say like, what are you showing before you actually show the thing that you, you want them to see, mm-hmm. right? Like, is there like, do you like, I like having an introduction, like, Hey, we're in the UI, like here's all the stuff. And now let me direct your attention to the place you need to look. So I think there's lots you can do with those foreground stuff. But I think one yeah. thing, uh, and I know we're, we're running out of time, but one thing I will say as far as with screencast and screen screen recorded content that comp- where composition does come in is with like sort of that webcam addition to it. So if you are adding webcam, mm-hmm. Um, and how you place it. I've seen a ton of different varieties of this. Um, and some of them I've really, really liked and some of them I haven't liked at all. Uh, and it typically has to do with how they're framing it up. So one of them that I saw that I didn't really like that much was where it was a, a total split screen right down the middle and it was a, an entire webcam on one side and what was happening on the screen on mm. the other. And the problem was I didn't know who to pay attention to when. It was very hard to understand like which thing is the most important um, versus, and, and again, the, essentially all the same things would be on screen, but if that was a circle or a square down in the corner, you know where you should be focusing. You can glance down and see that's a real person providing you the content, but you know you should be looking at the screen. The other way, you're like, it's too hard to, too hard to see, so. Well, and to yeah, that point, a, Justin, there's actually a lot of things, uh, research that's been done that, you know, if, especially from a learning video perspective, in that case, you know, unless you're adding value, like I'm doing ASL sign language or some type of sign mm-hmm. language, you know, or like, great, appear, get that, give that personality shown, connect, 
but then maybe disappear for like if you're really showing screen like especially tutorial like click here don't put don't don't be in the circle right. even just go away hide yourself they they right. make the first connection let them see you go away come back as it strategically makes sense because otherwise you cannot watch both and there's so there's no purpose of being there it's not actually making connection you're just distracting because if you're like me at all you're moving as you talk and so just hide that yeah. part and let let the screen do the work and then come back as needed like you got a part that's not very interesting screen wise come back go away come back go away and then you know maybe end on on who you are if, if even that so all right well gentlemen we are we are basically out of time for our show today but we always like to wrap up of course on our final take before we do that though just a reminder we are on youtube we are on uh, most every podcast platform you can think of, if we're not there, let us know so we can get there. Uh, if you're one that you're listening to all the time, but we'd love to have you like, write, rate it, leave a comment, do whatever you got to do to help us be know that you're listening and this is helpful. If you want to, you can also show, send us show suggestions. You got feedback, you got things you want us to talk about, let us know. You can email thevisuallounge at techsmith.com. Got one today, it was really great. We're so appreciative, uh, you know, and we're going to take that suggestion, I think, turn it into a future episode of the show. So make yours one of those. We'd love to hear from you. So final takes for our show about composition today. We're going to start with Justin, give you a chance to say, well, you can take whatever Ooh. you learned, put it here. Ooh. Um, you know, my final take is that sometimes composition is more art than science. And sometimes it's just a feeling that you know this is either right or wrong. You can't always figure out why. Um, sometimes it's okay to break the rules, um, even. And so I think my, my suggestion is just to kind of play with what's going on in your frame and test and see what works for you. Awesome. Final take. We'll go to you, Andy. What's your final take? I think, uh, breaking the rules is fine in composition as long as you know the rules that you're breaking. So I think first be aware of the basics, know the rule of thirds, know about, uh, you know, um, headroom in a video. Uh, and then if you have a reason to break out of those things, great. You understand them, you're able to work around them. Uh, that's fantastic. But if you don't learn the basics first, you know, figure out that headroom. Don't put people at the bottom of the frame if they need to be up in the top third. Uh, really, really learn them, apply them, and then break them when you know them. Awesome. Well, my final take is don't overcomplicate Composition. Don't try to make it so complicated. Just really keep it basic and you're going to be successful. The rules that have been established are really pretty simple. So keep keep to those until you feel like you've accomplished a lot and you feel like you can really break them. Because if you just keep to the basics and you just keep it simple, you're going to find that I think it's going to be more successful overall um, because you're just going to naturally fall into these patterns that are gonna help you convey your message. And that's the other part of that is really you think it, spend some time before you actually turn on the camera, think about what you are trying to compose. What are you trying to show? What is it that is gonna be seen so that you can make good decisions? Are you on the third? Are you centered to the third? What are you doing? What headroom do you need? All, all those decisions should be made before you actually get on camera. Because if you're making the decision then, it's gonna be a lot harder to recover from if you make a mistake. So with that said, thanks everybody for tuning in. We appreciate everybody who listens and watches. We are grateful for you guys taking time out of your busy day and hopefully you find this helpful. And we will see you guys next time on The Visual Lounge. <laughs>